welcome Pastor Ronnie Meek. You know, you hear uh, introductions like that, and you just wonder who they're talking about. Uh, good morning, Indian Lake. Uh, before I get started, I do want to take a minute to tell you how much I uh, love and admire and appreciate your pastor, uh, Aaron Allison. I don't remember what year it was. Can we get my picture down? And, and, and yeah, that's much better. Uh, and um, your pa- I don't remember exactly what year it was that I first met Aaron, but I do know where it was, and, uh, and I remember it very clearly. I had been invited by um, Pastor Maury Davis to attend a, um, a staff meeting at Cornerstone. And, you know, why anybody would want to attend a staff meeting at Cornerstone that they didn't have to, I don't know, but, but I went that day. And, uh, and that was the first time I met Aaron, first time I saw him, and boy, he stood out. And what really stood out about him was the fact that there was that just a sense of grace, a sense of, 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 of warmth, a sense of genuine interest in other people just, just emanated uh, out of that man. And I, I like this guy. I really do. And over the years, uh, that's been unflagging. Uh, in him. You know, we, we live in a culture where often they, uh, they judge pastors' success on their ability to be a, a CEO, to be a promoter, to be a, uh, somebody who can, you know, fill the, fill the seats and fill the bank account for the church and things like that. That's the world's way of looking at things. That's not the way the Bible is going to judge pastors. Uh, a, a pastor is a shepherd. It's somebody who genuinely cares about the people under his, under his charge and genuinely cares about their, their well-being. Um, and you have one of those. And I, I just want you to know that I, I love that man, love his wife, love his family. Uh, and if I lived in Hendersonville and didn't have a job on Sunday mornings, I would probably be attending this church. Um, would you stand with me? We normally at, at, at our church begin with a scripture reading, and I don't know how you do it, but we're going to do that here too. Let's read this together. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life and the power that are in your word. And I pray that you'd quicken us this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit would rest upon each person, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to understand, penetrate our lives today, Father. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. You may be seated. Back in 1985, uh, Margaret and I sold everything that we had and packed up our five-year-old boy and our three-year-old girl, and we moved to Harare, Zimbabwe. Uh, I had been invited to teach in a Bible school over there, and, um, and Margaret ended up teaching there as well. They, 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 they found out what she carried, and um, the Lord told us to go. And, and, you know, when the Lord tells you to do something and you know advice, say yes. You know, say yes and then, and then do it. Don't just say it, actually do it, because sometimes those are two different things. But we spent three years there. We thought we were going to spend, we didn't know how long we were going to spend. We thought we might uh, maybe five at the, at the minimum and uh, uh, maybe the rest of our lives. But after three years, actually after two, he told us, you got one more year now. He, he told us, come back. And so, you know, when you know, you just, you say yes. And uh, God, because God's timing is, is impeccable. And his plan for our lives is. But anyway, the last few months we were there, the last uh, school term we were were there, I was the acting director of the school. And I'll never forget one morning, one of the students came in to me and uh, and he said, Pastor, um, uh, I'm going to be leaving the school. And I said, "Uh, uh, Ephraim, why why are you leaving the school? And And I thought it probably would have something to do with family because... Uh, family, especially extended family, is very, uh, so very important in that culture, very significant. And it could very well be that, you know, a, a second cousin somewhere died and he now had responsibility for some of the kids uh, uh, or something and he was needed. But that wasn't what he said. It, it was a two-year school and he said, uh, uh, no, no, pastor, the reason that I'm going to leave is last year when I first came. Oh, oh, every day was just so great. The, the, the Spirit of God was moving every day, and God was speaking to me every day, and, and, and His presence was just so very strong in my life. I don't feel that this year. I went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Time out. <laughs> you don't understand seasons. You, uh, you would make a really good American evangelical charismatic. You'd fit right in with them. Uh, they didn't actually have this uh, that much in Zimbabwe, but you know, here we understand, or we should understand, well, we understand it when it comes to trees. We don't understand it when it comes to us, but we understand that when the leaves fall off and, and, and there's no more fruit hanging on the branches, that that doesn't mean that the tree's dead. There's some stuff going on. In fact, there's some very important stuff going on. You just don't see it on the outside, uh, but in the invisible part of our lives, the foundation's getting stronger. The, the, the roots are getting, are getting deeper. They're going to be able to bring up more nourishment, more moisture for the, uh, for the next year. Uh, well, one way in which he, it wasn't all that much like an evangelical American charismatic was he listened, stayed in school. Selah, uh, which means think about it. Seasons. I want to talk about seasons today. And there's four things in particular that I want to, uh, that I want to mention about seasons. And the first one is this. Seasons were created by God, and they were intentional. He didn't, he didn't just create the heavens and earth and then go, whoa, seasons. Who saw that coming? No, no, he, he saw that coming, and he was very intentional about it. It says over in Genesis 
114, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And then later on, it says that after all this happened, God looked at it and he said, that's good. That's a good thing that I just did, that I just created. We all, well, I say we all, uh, hopefully we all, but we're fond of saying, uh, I want all that God has for me. Whatever God has for me, that's what I want. And what we mean is, I want the good stuff. What we mean is, I, I want to I go on the good retreat. You know, I, I want to go on the good missions trip. I, I want to be, be at that good youth camp. That's the one I want to be at. That's, that's what we mean. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a while, a um, long time ago, and uh, known a lot of youth pastors, had, had a few youth pastors. Let me just tell you, that's a, now that's, that's a job, that's a trip, being a youth pastor, it really is. Uh, and, uh, and, and I've been on some fabulous retreats, and I've been on some fabulous uh, um, camps and trips and stuff, and then I've been on other retreats and other camps and, and mission trips and stuff. And I've had some youth pastors who could do it better than others. We had a guy at the church named Cheyenne, and Cheyenne was terrific at these things. And he would go, he would go and, he, and he would do them, and then after he would leave, the people would go, oh, please come back. You know, and, and anytime, anything we can do for Cheyenne to get them to come back, that's great. I had another uh, good friend who was a youth pastor named Sonny, and he asked me to come and speak at one of his retreats, and I did. And when that one was over, the people said, don't you ever come back here again. It was fun. Well, I, 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 you know, well, I don't know if it was his fault or not his fault, but it was what it was. And what, when we say we want whatever God has for us, we basically mean I want, I want the good one. You know, I don't, want, I don't want this one over here. And sometimes we also say, I don't know, do you know the response to God is good? All the time, yeah. And then it's all the time. You believe that? I mean, do you really believe that? It's easy to believe that when time is good. In good times. You believe that in hard times? You believe that, you believe that in a rough season? Romans 8.28 says that in everything God is at work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that has to be a mistranslation because obviously what it meant to say was that some of the time God is at work for our good, for those who are called according to his purpose. But it says in everything, in every season. And so God created seasons and he created them intentionally. And second thing about seasons is they come whether we want them to or not. I mean, they're, they're just gonna, they're gonna happen. I, I, I love living in Tennessee. I love having four seasons, and we do have four seasons here. Yeah, we have summer, we have fall, we have winter, and we have allergy season. Uh, yeah, some people call it spring, but only, well. Uh, Zimbabwe didn't have four seasons. It had two. It had a wet season and a dry season. Uh, I understand Hawaii only has one season. So does Antarctica. Uh, so if you're a one-season type person, you got some options out there. Uh, 
Not everyone wants four seasons or two, or, or, but they're going to come anyway. Can't stop them. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he said to his disciples, he said this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And we sometimes joke, or I sometimes joke, about this being a promise, but it's not a promise. It's a statement of fact. In fact, it's actually even more than that. It's truth. You know the difference between facts and truth? Facts change. Truth doesn't. Uh, What is a fact today may not be a fact tomorrow, but truth is immutable. It's it's the same all of the time. And uh, this isn't... This isn't a promise for believers. In fact, that's not just for believers. You you can be an unbeliever. You You don't even have to believe in God, and this is still truth. The only thing is you don't get the last sentence. You only get the first two. Yeah, You have to be a believer to be the one who can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. Change will come. You're going to get old. You get old. Getting old is not fun. Getting old is, uh, is, has some advantages. You can say anything you want to say, and people will just let you go ahead and do it. Uh, that's, that's one of the advantages of getting old. But, uh, but there are some disadvantages to getting old as well. But there's only one way to keep from getting old. Yeah, that's right. It's not Botox. It's not hair dye. Those things won't keep you from getting old. They'll just make you look weirder when you get old. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Not because it's necessarily going to be any better. In fact, tomorrow's got enough worry for itself. Each day's got, its, each day's got enough trouble. You don't have to add some to it for tomorrow. And, and he doesn't mean don't make plans or don't make preparations. It's okay to make plans. I mean, they're not probably going to work out, but you can go ahead and go ahead and make some plans. It's okay to make preparations. They'll probably be either too little or too much, but go ahead and make some preparations. Don't worry. Don't worry. That's what he said. Change will come. A change is coming. And then another one, and another one, and another one. That's That's going to happen. So if you're in a good season, don't worry that it's going to end. It is, but don't worry. If you're in a hard season, don't worry that it's not going to end. It will. The key is, I trust Him. I trust Him. I trust Him with all the seasons of my life. Whether it's a good season or easy season, hard season, what I think is a bad season, I trust in everything. He's at work for my good. God is good all the time. I want everything God has for me. And then the third thing, and and you're going to love this, seasons require patience. I remember my fourth Christmas very clearly. Actually, I really do. I was was almost five, so, you know, I, I was old enough to remember stuff. And I remember, and what I remember about, and I don't remember what I got. I remember where we lived. Uh, and I remember walking outside with 
my toys or something. I don't know. Whatever it was I got that morning. I remember walking outside and in my little four-year-old mind distinctly thinking, it's going to be 364 more days before this thing happens again. And do you know how long that is to a four-year-old? I was depressed. It was, it was rough. It was hard. But you know what? It was going to be 364 more days before that happens again. Now, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of messed with that a little bit here. I mean, <laughs> you know, we are encouraged to, to get into that Christmas spirit, uh, i.e. the shopping spirit, just as soon as we get through with back to school. And do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy having it? I mean, you, you enjoy walking into, what, 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 is that, uh, uh, what is that place? <sighs> Hobby Lobby. Yes, you enjoy walking into Hobby Lobby, you know, and it's September, and you can smell the, the pine trees and the cinnamon in the air. Just kind of go, ooh, they've only got two rows of it so far. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's, here's, here's something to think about. We can rush man-made seasons, but God's seasons cannot be rushed. They cannot be rushed. They cannot be hurried. They cannot be held back. No matter how much in April we would like for those 70-degree days to come along, we're still going to have some 40-degree days and maybe even some 30-degree days. And no matter how much in June and July we'd go, let's get over these 90 and 100-degree days, they're going to be here however long they're going to be here. How long does it take to become an 18-year-old? Somebody knows. Well, no, at the end of 18 years, you're, you're an 18-year-old. You, you really are. You're, you're just on your way to 19. And some 13-year-olds think that they're 18-year-olds, but they're not, no matter, no matter how much they think it. You cannot become a mature disciple or leader in six weeks. Or six months. I don't care how many tapes you listen to. I don't care how much Christian television you watch. I don't care how many books you read. It can't happen like that. God can snap and make you righteous. He can snap and make you holy. He can snap and make you saved. He cannot. You know, there are some things God can't do. He can't lie. That's one of the things he can't do. You know, and he can't just, bam, you're now mature. Doesn't work that way. That's not, how, that's not how he rolls. He has chosen to are necessary. They're a necessary part of our lives. I'm going to put a scripture verse up that I think we can all agree we would like to have taken out of the Bible. Uh, there, are, there are various groups that would like to have various kinds of scripture taken out. Some, some would like to have the miraculous taken out of the Bible. And, you know, some would like to have uh, some of the scriptures about sexuality taken out of the Bible. Some would like to have the scriptures taken out of the Bible about greed or about how we're supposed to treat the foreigner and the alien. You know, I just wish that wasn't in the Bible. But I think all of these groups can come together and agree that we ought to get rid of this one. 
It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. How many of you like affliction? Of course not. I don't either. This isn't just talking about memorizing scriptures. So, so you kind of go, well, I can learn his decrees without, you know, without affliction. No, actually, you can, you can learn what they say, but you don't learn them without affliction. See? Uh, and memorizing scripture is great. In fact, I, 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 I wish everyone would. It, it, when you take the time to memorize scripture, it gets, it gets down in, inside of you, and it's a, it's a valuable deposit in your life, a very valuable deposit. Uh, it'll sustain you in times that you need to be sustained and, 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 and it'll give you wisdom and insight in times that you need, in places of darkness in your life. But memorizing scripture and learning scripture are two different things. You, know? you, can, you can memorize uh, the fact that you're supposed to love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you, but you won't learn that until you have some enemies and some people despitefully using you. That's what's required to actually learn that process, that season. My parents uh, pastored churches for a long, long time. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know how many years. It was, it was quite some time. I see, yeah. Uh, 40, 40, 50 years, something like that. And what my dad would do, what my dad was really good at doing was he would come to some place where they had 10 or 12 people and, and no building or no kind of structure or anything. And, and he could take that group and turn it into a very viable church. They'd have, they'd have a, you know, a hundred or so people. They'd have a building. They'd, um, the utilities would be paid for and all that kind of stuff. They never really figured out how to pay a pastor, but, you know, they'd do all this other stuff. And then after, um, after 12 or 15 years or so, they'd send him packing. Happened more than once. And, you know, I know, I know he was disappointed. As I look back on it, I, I think he's probably gotten a very great reward for this. My dad went on to be with the Lord in 2008. But I think he's uh, gotten a very great reward for this because uh, that was really what, that was his calling. I mean, he, he, he was able, he was a pioneer. He was able to go in and pioneer a church and take it to a certain place. And he wasn't necessarily the guy to, to take it to the next one. But you know what? There's another group of people over here. And, and the Lord would, would, would do that with him. But, you know, there, there was hurt. There was, you know, there would be hurt when, uh, when, when he would have to leave. But man, as I look back on my, my parents' lives, I understand that they, they, uh, they went through this with grace. They genuinely did. They went through this with grace, and they went through this with, uh, uh, in a way that I don't think a lot of people could have done. And a whole bunch of people are just going, well, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, but no, that, that wasn't, wasn't what happened in their lives. In the last uh, 13 years of my mom's life, she died at 84, but in her early 70s, she started having strokes and she was uh, wheelchair, uh, in a wheelchair for the last 13 years of her life. And my dad became basically her caregiver. And in God's timing, it had happened. Uh, I actually, the church where I pastor now was one that was one of those that my dad took, uh, 
took 10 people and, and, and built a church up from it. And they didn't send him packing. Uh, he didn't give him a chance to. He brought me in. And, uh, but, uh, but, but he did have some challenges there. He did have, you know, some, some church splits and some things happen. But anyway, um, in, in God's timing, you know, that didn't happen until I'd already gotten there and he was able to kind of step down and become the caregiver. And man, those 13 years, boy, he shined. Uh, it was, it was beautiful to see what, to see what he did and how, how he cared for my mom. And then the last four years of his life after she passed was, was really precious, sweet time for us. Jesus uh, told his disciples on, on the night before he went to the cross, he said, uh, very truly, I tell you this, it's good for you that I'm going away. Mm-hmm. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. How can it possibly be good that the season of walking every single day and eating every single meal with Jesus and listening to what he says and watching what, how can that be a good, it be good for that season to end? Obviously they had to, they had to think that. But of course we know because if Jesus were still around, I mean, I'm sure he would, you know, in his glorified body, he would still look good and everything, but only very few people could, could hang out when you might get to shake his hand, you know, but the Holy Spirit came and, and, the, and the number of people who could intimately have communion with God just went up exponentially, basically to infinity. So it was good. It was good. And we knew it was going to be because he said it was going to be. And something is good because God says it's good. Not because I, I had a good time. Not because I thought it was great. It's good when he says it's good. And if he doesn't say it's good, it's not good. It's just that simple. Well, let me, let me uh, end with this because some of you may be familiar with a verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. says this, We who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I think the King James says, from glory to glory. But pastor, aren't we supposed to be moving from glory to glory? I mean, you're talking about seasons that don't sound like glory to me, but uh, isn't this supposed to just get better and better and better? Yeah. I, I mean, after all, that's what it says. Well, it is what it says, but I mean, think about this. Because we, we have a tendency to think of glory to glory to glory being what we think is better in our lives. You know, it's, it's like, well, you know, I've been going to that church for a few months now. Man, you know, there was a time when, when Pastor Aaron, he was on fire and they had, a, they had a pretty woman leading worship and everything. And now he's gone and they got this guy up here. I, it may be time for me to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, no. May just be a different season. May be a new season. What is glory? You know, we, we use words, we, we, we toss around words like glory and great and, and awesome and stuff and, and never really stop to think about what is, what is it? What is glory? I mean, when I think of glory and I really stop and think about that word, I don't necessarily think glory. You know, I think about a warrior covered with blood, much of it his or her own, who's just gone through a, a season of struggle. 
And not all of them make it. But they all have glory. The beauty uh, isn't just on the mountaintop. You see, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. Now, that's glory. You know, to look like Jesus, that's, that's glory. That's really what it is. And it doesn't, doesn't necessarily happen on the mountaintop. We, uh, when I was 16, we took a road trip out west and went up in the Rockies. And I remember going to uh, Pikes Peak. And, and I learned a term that I didn't know before I went out there because uh, you don't really see it in the Appalachians much. And the term was timberline. I don't even know what the timberline is. Yeah, okay, a few of you. Yeah, the timberline is the line at which the trees stop growing. And so you get above the timberline, and there are no trees. And there's really not much of anything else except rocks up there. Very, very little life. Oh, but the views. Oh, the vistas. Yeah. You can see magnificent things, but nothing's growing. It's, it's down in the, it's down in the, the, the cool green, deep valleys of the forest. You don't find that above the timberline, but down there, that's where, that's where the life is happening. That's where things, that's where things are, are being born. That's where things are, are digging deep. That's where things are growing up. And even in the desert, there's, there's life there. You don't, you don't necessarily see it, but just let a little rain come and pfft, there it is. It's there. It can rain all it wants on top of the timberline, and or you're going to get snow. I'm in a season in my life that uh, is not a season that I'm enjoying. I, uh, I don't. I was telling. Uh, well, just uh, just to go there. Some of you already know this. My wife passed away. Uh, uh, 7th of June, 7th of this month. And uh, she, she, had, she had cancer. She had lung cancer. And, uh, you know, as, as I look back on it, God's grace showed up so many places, so many situations. But uh, uh, and I, and I don't remember when I told Aaron I was going to come here and speak. It was a few months ago. But I remember I've got a friend who goes to church here, and I sent him a text and said, hey, I'm going to be out at, at your church on the 30th. And uh, Margaret, I'm sure, is going to be with me. I mean, she was doing much better at that point in time. I'm sure she's going to be with me. You know, let's go out to lunch afterwards and everything. Uh, had no idea, not really, that she wasn't going to be with me, not only here, but at all. Uh, and it's been, I'm, I'm learning a lot in this season. But uh, one of the things, one of the things that touched me one of the things that, uh, well, two things, really. Um, Mother's Day back in, in May. And once again, you know, at, at that point in time, I still had no idea it was this, this close, this short. But Mother's Day, I said, what do you want for Mother's Day, Margaret? And she said, well, I want a, I want a, a wind chime. She likes wind chimes. And she particularly wanted one that we had, had gotten the, the spring before up in Gatlinburg. But... You know, I wasn't at a place for her or for me where I could leave and go up there and get one, so I didn't do that. So I did the next best thing. I went to the co-op. 
if you want a wind chime, go to the co-op. They have wind chimes, and they're great. And, and I saw, I saw some, some really good wind chimes there. And then I saw some really good wind chimes there. And I'm going, okay, what, you know, what do I do? I mean, this is the woman who, who uh, uh, about three days before she passed, looked at me and said, get the cheapest casket. Uh, so, you know, I was kind of debating which, what, 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 what I should do here. Uh, and I thought, you know, if this is the last Mother's Day present I'm ever going to get, Margaret, I don't know that it is, but if it is, I'm getting the big one, which I did. And let me tell you, I have no regrets. So one of the things that I had learned is get the big one. Embrace the season that you're in. Embrace the moment that you're in. God is working in your life. And look for him. He will, he will show up. As, as I look back over the last year of Margaret's life, I'm just blown away by the things that she did and got to do, which is how she wanted to do it. The last full day she spent on this earth, she spent it at a live hospice in Nashville. In fact, that was the only full day she spent there. She always had a way of doing things last minute. And uh, her nurse was Jenny Wilson. Uh, I, I, I didn't even know Jenny worked there. Uh, I'm sure Margaret didn't either, but Jenny's always been somebody that Margaret loved very deeply. And so when she showed up and went, God is here. God is here. Wherever you are in your life, look for him. He's there. He's there. Embrace the season that he's given you because he is doing something in you. He is transforming you into the image of his son. Because every season brings us closer to him.